0: food world it's your favorite foodie friend robert crutchfield from crutchfield cooks here with another episode of crutchfield cooks the podcast today we're doing an interview with our youngest guest yet but that doesn't mean that he's light on accomplishments he's already worked at a couple of independent restaurants ran his own home-based bakery even reviewed a couple of restaurants. So let's get to it with Devin Morrison of Random PM. Hello out there. I'm here with Devin Morrison, the producer and host of the Random PM podcast, which is very much a friend of this podcast, but that's not why he's here. He's here because he also has a fairly decent background in the food world. And it gives us a chance to get a younger perspective and to, as we always like to do, see things from a different angle. Devin, you worked on a, in, a, in a couple of different independent restaurants. One was a Q restaurant. The other one was a diner slash craft Burger kind of place. Which one do you think was the more
1: chill, more fun place to work? Oh oh you're starting off with a tough question already. Hey, I'm not mentioning names for a reason. (laughs) I'm gonna have to say the dinerslash the the craft burger place. And the reason being was to them I was more than just a cashier. I was someone who they were teaching and I learned how to I learned everything from the burgers to the to the to the fryer to how to make the ice cream to cashiering. And the manager, he was so trusting. He was like, if I have to go, I trust you that you're going to be here and help get everything under control. And it was way more laid back. Everybody was joking. I wasn't yelled at nearly as much. I wasn't worked in crazy amount of, of time. So I'm going to have to say that place. Definitely the Kraft Burger place.
0: Laid back. You don't hear that in the restaurant business very often. Across both places, what would you say was the toughest thing or maybe the most difficult customer
1: issue you ran into? So the toughest thing was probably the the customer interactions, but not, not because the customers were, were bad people. It was because you have to learn, not only you have to memorize everybody's unique customizations to their order, but you also have to understand that no matter what emotion you're feeling at the time, it really helps develop your people skills. And sometimes that was hard because I'd, be I'd be angry and a customer would walk up and they say something that I may not like or whatever. And it's hard to keep that kind of like, you know, keep that show. So I'd say that was a definite, the, the hardest part was understanding customer interactions because you're, that is like a big part of your business. If you have crappy cashiers, because you're the first impression when it comes to what you see. So if you're not doing your job, if you're being snappy, angry, you know, not caring about the customer, then they're nine times out of ten not likely to come back regardless if the food is good.
0: Okay, out of, out of the two re- restaurants, let's, let's flip that burger over a little bit. What was the funniest thing that you think you, you, you ran across in the two different formats that you've worked with?
1: The funniest thing, ooh, do I name like one from each place? You can. Okay, so, from the barbecue place, I, well, I accidentally locked myself in our own stall bathroom, and I just couldn't figure out how to unlock it, even though all I had to do was slide the little lock, so I actually called the restaurant with my phone, and I said, hey, I need some help in here, and they were like, what, Devin, what are you, what are you doing in there, and I'm like, well, I can't get out, I need some help if y'all want me back up there, so someone had to come tell me how to, like, mess with the lock, and then, for the for the crap for the burger place i would have to say cutting myself making ice cream it's not something you hear every day and at at the time it, it wasn't funny it hurt but after it was like come on you really cut yourself making ice cream and it was just it was really funny so i think those two moments had to have been the funniest out of all of it most of us in the food world
0: aside from our main food job we we cook in a variety of different places do you have a
1: Funny food moment from outside the restaurants that you you want to share? Oh, yes. And I was at the house. Now, I've been, my love of food starts way when I was younger, not, not recently. I was making biscuits, and I was a bit younger at the time, and I, I didn't understand the concept of heat. So I figured as long as something was covering my hand, I would be okay. So I was going to take biscuits out of the oven, and I figured a paper towel would work just as fine as an oven mitt. And so, you know, I stuck my hand in the oven and I went to pull it out. Well, instead of, you know, thinking hot, let me put it down. I just switched it to my other hand. And while that didn't help much, and then it went straight from my other hand right up against my stomach because I figured if I did that, then the pain would stop. So that's funny. That's the story that a lot of people are like, really? You burned yourself three times making biscuits? And that's probably my funniest story I have.
0: Yeah, well, that and I don't know too many cooks that haven't learned certain lessons the hard way. I guess that was yours. Oh, definitely. Uh, Your experience also includes an environment where you didn't have the luxury, so to speak, of an employer or a manager directing your actions. You ran a small home-based bakery. Oh, yeah. First of all, tell us a little bit about the the signature dish that they're the crowny. And how that came about.
1: So I was actually, I was at the pool with, with me and my brothers and my dad, and we were all swimming and playing. And I was talking to him about making a dessert and I was like, yeah, I think I know how to make a chocolate chip cookie. So I went upstairs and let me just tell you what came out was definitely not a chocolate chip cookie, but I loved the texture of it. I was like, huh? Okay. Maybe if I add a little bit of this and take away a little bit of that, then maybe I can turn it into something. So It started small with just adding brown sugar, adding chocolate chips, taking away a half a scoop of this, adding a scoop of that. And finally, after about, I'm going to say, 11 tries, I came out with my signature pastry or bakery item, the crownie, which is a cookie brownie, some would say cake, into a brownie shape, and it has been one of the most popular items sold at at my home bakery by far.
0: So what was it like? What were you, maybe 16 when you started that? What was it like at, say, 16 years old, running your own operation, not really having that much of a a reference point or anything else and kind of
1: stumbling around a bit trying to get it done? Oh, man, it was definitely a struggle for sure. I I had no idea what I was doing business-wise. I probably made about every mistake a newbie baker would make i i set my prices really low so people would come by i didn't price my ingredients right i took really big orders with not much equipment i was very last minute and so it was definitely a learning a learning experience because beforehand i was like oh it's a business i can run it easy as long as i have the customers and the ingredients this is going to be the easiest thing in the world and it, and it wasn't so i learned and, and i was such a young age i'm i was still in school and i mean that's where i did get a lot of my customers but It was definitely like a man. If I want to go the entrepreneur route, I have to humble myself because it is definitely not as easy as me and many others believe it to be. I
0: think you're not the first entrepreneur to find out that running a business isn't as easy as you thought it would be. And certainly there are a lot of angles that you don't think about going in. Definitely. So I I doubt that was an age-specific kind of thing. Of course nowadays your main gig is the random pm podcast but even at that random pm has its own food angle or two among other things there's a recurring theme on that show about waffles suck why, why don't you tell us a little bit about how that that came into being and, and tell us a little bit about that It's not really a motto, but that's saying that's made its way onto not only your podcast, but t-shirts and
1: all manner of things. Oh, man. So I'm going to be honest. I I think it started with one of my best friends. We were just talking and he was like, yeah, we're going to. And I think I was staying at his house and he was like, yeah, we're going to have waffles. And I was like, no, waffles suck, pancakes. And then I figured, you know, by the time we had this discussion, I already had about, I'll say, 500 listeners. So I figured, you know what? I'm going to bring it to the people. So I did, <laughs> and we made a whole episode about it. And, well, the the decision was definitely split. And so after that, it was just like, man, what literally is better, pancakes or waffles? So we dug into the facts. I've had over at least five guests where I ask the question, and we talk about it. And it's just now when people see me, the first thing they go is, waffles suck, and then it's, how's your day? Or it's, pancakes suck, how's your day? And it's just become such a motto and I love it, honestly, because it's something small. It's not like something that can cause actual conflict, and it's just like, haha, yeah, and then one time I was at church, and I got caught eating a waffle. I got caught red-handed, and someone took a photo of me, and that's just how it happened, Photoshop. so I was like, you know what? That'd be a funny piece of merch, and so we just threw it on, threw it on a t-shirt, and now it's a staple. Now, when people see me, it's just waffles or pancakes. And when I have guests on, they, they wait for the question. They're like, okay, when are you going to ask it? When are you going to ask it? And then when I tell them, they're like, oh my gosh, well, first of all, French toast, or first of all, you're totally wrong. Or first of all, you're my hero and idol. It's pancakes. So that's definitely how it went along. But yeah, so that's how that started. The
0: other part of your food background is you have, you have written a restaurant review or two. What's it like? Walking into somebody else's house, so to speak, sampling what they've got going on and trying to explain it to somebody else.
1: It is one of the best feelings I think I've had because beforehand I would walk in a restaurant. I wouldn't really how it looked, how it how it was. I was just there to get food. But I failed to realize that for a majority of people, that is their life and their pride and their passion is put into the restaurant. So I feel it is a great honor on my end to go in there and tell them, hey, you're doing an amazing job. Now let me bring other people into basically your personification of passion, your place, your, your kingdom, so to speak. And so I love going in there and looking at all the di- – it gives me a different perspective. I don't go walk in there and say, let me get a hamburger and sit down and eat it. It's wow. Look at how they organize the table. Wow, look at the graphics on the wall. Let's see, how was Miss Susie treating the customers? You know, stuff like that. And then not only that, but it was a bonding experience because I got to go and eat with, with you because I know you have your your food blog as well. And it was just so incredible that we got to bond and talk about stuff and compare reviews. And honestly, if, if I looking back, I would definitely have pursued it a bit more had I fully realized how I felt at the time.
0: A lot of people don't so much see themselves as restaurant reviewers as they do restaurant critics. And the problem with the people that come from the perspective of being a restaurant critic, they feel they have to find something negative, which, of course, is a particular issue for your, your local independent restaurants where whatever it is you say may be the only real publicity they get. How do you feel about that perspective where people feel like they, they're duty bound to find something negative about every place they walk
1: into? Oh, no, I definitely don't agree with that. I mean, there, now there is a line, and I feel like there's a line with a lot of things. If you go in there and like the cashiers are cussing you out or you find things in your food that should not be in your food, I definitely think you should point that out. However, and I don't like the word critiquing. I do like constructive like constructive criticism, I guess, in a way of like okay, say you don't like things on the on the wall or something, if you don't have anything neg or if you don't have anything nice to say about it, just don't throw it in there. you don't have to bring them down because of you don't like the color scheme or something like that, so I believe you shouldn't go into because when you go into that mindset, you're automatically gonna be looking for all the things that are wrong. I have to find something, but if you go in there thinking, all right, what am I gonna? Like going there with a fresh, open, clean mind, I feel like you really give them an equal chance to show you why they run their restaurant and how they run it and why their passion is so great. So I don't think, I definitely don't like when people go in there going, all right, what am I going to find wrong? What is wrong? I just don't, I don't agree with that. Just about any of
0: us, culinarians as we're called, get into this, not not necessarily because we love to cook, but we love to eat. First of all, when you're in a kitchen that's not a a professional kitchen, where you're not dealing with things that people order, where you, maybe you're just making something for yourself, what's one of your first? What's one of your favorite things to cook?
1: Oh, favorite things to cook, I'm gonna have to say. Hmm, that's a good question. I love making spaghetti. Not it is a simple but yet staple. It is something a lot of households have, either spaghetti or. Or any type of chicken dish. I like, like the other day, I had grilled chicken with macaroni and green beans. I love chicken and stuff, especially chicken skin. I know it's weird. I know some of y'all may comment on that, but I love anything chicken. I love chicken.
0: Well, if there's anything that I love more than cooking, of course, it's eating. Is it any different with what would be your favorite thing to eat?
1: Oh, yes, definitely. Because chicken. Sometimes it'd be taken a a bit too long. I love to eat, and honestly, this, this isn't good for you, and I apologize, but I love eating things that are, you know, quick to make. Like, for example, how do I put this? I like, so things like cereal or oatmeal or, you know, things that are quick to make. I don't like spending too much time in the kitchen if I don't have to. And so I prefer things that are quick to make, like, canned goods or waveable things, stuff like that, just because of it's quick. I'm a busy guy already as it is. I don't want to spend too much time in the kitchen.
0: Well, it's say you weren't having to cook it to eat it. Say you were going to a restaurant and somebody else did the cooking
1: and somebody else was doing the cleanup.
0: Would you, what would be your favorite thing to eat then?
1: Oh, if I don't have to prepare it, it would probably be a pasta type dish. It would be either chicken Alfredo or it'd be a spaghetti and meatball or a garlic garlic what is it called just any type of pasta like i love pasta i don't know what about it it's just it's something where like you have your noodles and then your sauce is already so many different sauce options and then your toppings and i love any pasta dish i would have to say
0: pasta is uh, a common choice in fact it's one of the more common popular cuisine elements pretty much around the world just because of the whole history of it having originated more in, in Asia, particularly China, and then Marco Polo brought it to Italy, and then Italy went crazy with it, of course. What's interesting is I saw a picture in a in a training video one time of uh, the original pasta that Marco Polo brought to Italy, and it, it looked more like they had taken a of Albert Einstein's hair it in the jar than they, anything you could eat if somebody runs a pod a, a podcast based on comedy you may want to try and look that up so oh, can, i mean you I mean, can rip off that let guy me write that down real quick because because the the pasta that marco polo originally brought was was nothing like what we know is pasta today and of course you 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 do have variety there you do have your your italian pastas your asian pastas that sort of a lot of people like pasta just because it's it's Tends to be cheap and filling.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: My my problem is I can't figure out how to make pasta without getting flour all over the oh, place. Oh,
1: I I tried actually not too long ago. I tried to make homemade noodles, and let's just say I probably did everything you weren't supposed to do in the recipe. I did, and it definitely didn't turn out. But I definitely want to work on it because I want to eat spaghetti with pasta I made and, and be proud because I love Italians. Down the last time I tried.
0: When it comes to your own cooking. What influences do you draw on? Where, where, where do the ideas come from?
1: Honestly, they come from things that have been made for me, and then I find out that I like said item, and I'm like, okay, now I want to try to replicate that. For instance, my mom, one time, she made a cheese ravioli with some type of, it was some form of vodka sauce with, with sausage and some veg- vegetables and things like that, and I was like, okay, I like that. Now, when I get in the kitchen, I'm going to go ahead and try to recreate that because I liked it. So I take inspiration from things I've already had. Unfortunately, and, and I know it's kind of a flaw, I don't tend, I don't like to go out of things I haven't tried yet. I'm new to opening it, like to to bringing it into my life and trying it. But if it's something I know I like, I'll take inspiration from that or TV shows or media. So media and, and whatever food is made for me. That's where I take inspiration from.
0: Sure, sure. You seem to be very passionate about food, but career-wise, you seem to be taking a different direction. Any ideas on on, on what direction that passion is going to take? It, it, it sounds like food is going to be a part of your life no matter how you pay the rent.
1: <laughs> Definitely. I think, I think I'm going to try to integrate food into what I currently do. So, like, right now I do YouTube Lives and I do stuff like that. I have made episodes beforehand about food on lives. I have eaten food and people have watched and I've shared ingredients and recipes that I enjoy. So I think regardless of whether I take the content creation path or if I took, you know, say a bakery path, I'm always going to find a way to integrate food. Plus, you know, I love Hell's Kitchen. I love, I've shared it with all my people, all my favorite moments. I love Restaurant Impossible. And so No matter where I go, no matter what path I may take, no matter what I'm doing, I will always find a way to integrate some level of culinary or food-related topics into what I'm talking about or doing.
0: You're somebody who, unlike a lot of people we talk to who may be mid-career, maybe late career, you're very early, not only in your career, but very early in adult life. What's it like in that initial stepping your foot out into the adult world especially for somebody that's trying to accomplish so many things in so many directions like you are
1: it's definitely a challenge because you know people people base age so a lot of people like to tie age with experience and while a lot of the cases yes that's true sometimes i feel like i'm not taken seriously or i'm not you know, taken as somebody who can achieve what I want to achieve because I'm just starting, they'll be like, "Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just starting off," or "Oh, you're not far enough. You don't even know." Or "What are you talking about?" And so I feel like it's been a bit tougher to 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 drive and do what I want to do because I feel like I'm being held back by an by a youth and age limitation. But I feel like that only encourages my drive because, it's like, okay, you think I'm young? You think I can't do this? watch me and then I'm going to go and achieve it and prove the people who said I couldn't do it wrong but it's not even about proving them wrong it's just proving it to myself that hey Devin you can do what you want to do your age does not I mean it matters but it does not matter in terms of what you're trying to do and that was true even with food when I was working you know the, the, the the diner place they were like oh really you're back there I see you making stuff are you sure you look a little bit too young and it's like really I feel like I feel like age shouldn't determine the the something an ability is something somebody can do, and so yeah, that would be my answer to that question.
0: Let's try for a minute to help out those behind you. Are there any last suggestions or tips you want to give to other young adults who may not have had the support system you did, or for whatever reason they're they're having more trouble than you did, even getting traction in the adult world? What would you, what would you say to them?
1: Find, find your passion, find, find something you love. Because once you find that thing, you are going to do everything to the best of your ability or it's slow. So like for me, I found my passion. It's content creation and stuff. And so because of that, I want to make sure that my family's doing okay. I want to make sure everything kind of develop itself around this passion. So feel, I want y'all to find what you love doing and put your life into that because once you do that then not only are you going to work hard at it to support your family you're going to you're going to try to bring impact to the world through it and so i would think find your passion because i feel like without passion life isn't worth living in my opinion so find what you love find find a good support system find people who want you to succeed and find that passion definitely and i think you're going to live a very a very fulfilling life i should say Thank you, Devin. I think that about does it. Uh, thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you, Devin. That is exactly what I thought that interview would be. And I hope that our listeners out there were able to see a little bit of what, I, what I've been able to see as far as the, the young man you are. I think the food world and the comedy world better watch out. And the rest of everybody out there needs to keep an eye out for the next episode of Crutchfield Cooks, the podcast.